It's opening week, everybody, for Halloween Horror Nights, and I just want to thank everybody for listening to us for the last six months or so. Ramble on about Horror Nights. We're finally here. All the announcements have been made, and the park is open. It's like Jurassic World. The park is open here at Halloween Horror Nights. Again, I hope you guys have a blast. We are going to keep the show spoiler-free for at least a time. You know, we'll give you at least a month or so. We'll give you to like mid-October. And then, spoilerific. Uh, but until then, we're going to let you know when there may be big spoilers or not, but we're not going to do it right now. Not at least until we've experienced it. But before we get to the show, I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who's been listening, for everyone who's picked up a shirt, everyone who's picked up an art print, and really been involved with everything we're doing here at ScareZone. I do want to encourage you guys, if you will and if you could, pick up a t-shirt at ScareZone.com. you also see a link for Bill and Ted 25 gear. That's t-shirts, leggings, and of course these amazing art prints. And the ScareZone shirts are are selling right now. We really appreciate it. A lot of you guys are going to be out in the parks wearing them, and it means a whole lot to us. So, again, thank you guys. It helps us keep the lights on, if you will, to make sure the show can continue on uh, right now when things are going really well and during the dark times. So it is what it is, guys. We really appreciate it. ScareZone.com. I've also launched a Facebook group. It's not just for people that our ScareZone listeners, the people that are listening to all my podcasts or involved with whatever I do, you can find the link to it at ScareZone.com as well. Just look on the right. I think it says, like, Logan's, we're coming up with a better name group uh, soon. So find it there. But again, appreciate it. Now on to episode 14 of ScareZone, Halloween Horror Nights podcast. This is episode 14 of ScareZone, Halloween Horror Nights podcast. And Chris, Scott once again doing his thing with the WWE, but he's going to be there this weekend. We're not, but it's opening week. It is opening week and we're all very excited. Um, you know, before long, the news is all going to start um, waving in of all the different things that are happening and all the different reviews. So we're, we're excited for it. Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait to you know start ignoring everyone's... Uh, posts and having to start blocking people because i'm not one of those guys who really has a problem with spoilers but i am a little bit like this year because i think this is like our year this is our scare zone year like i want to uh i, w- I want it to be special i want it to be something different so i'm looking forward to uh, meeting people out there but also seeing all the stuff for the first time I remember when i was a kid i used to always go on the boards something like your website like hhn unofficial and i would go you know read what the bill and ted spoilers were and all that not anymore i'd like to go in Fully, and maybe the reason why I have that HHN blur syndrome is because I go in, I don't know what to anticipate, so therefore I can't take it all in. It just gets gets uh, overwhelming. Well, spoiler alert: the villain's going to be Trump. <laughs> I don't know, man. You're not watching American politics right now. It's definitely it's definitely fifty fifty right now. It could be Hillary. Uh, it could so be who Trump. knows? Who knows? But yeah, I mean, I I can't imagine we won't see. Uh, we won't see Trump uh, this year in the Bill and Ted show. Probably both of them. I bet we'll see both of them in the Bill and Ted show this year. Oh, definitely. But guys, we are so close. Like when you're listening to this, there's a good chance you've already been to the event. So for you guys, yeah, you're annoying. You're driving me crazy and making me mad because I'm not going to be able to be there for a couple of weeks. But you know what, guys? I'm sure it's having you're having a blast, chilling with Chance, having fun. But Chris, me, you, and Scott are be going down there in just a couple of weeks. I, I feel like once we're there, like I'll have a weird sense of relief. Like we've built this up for so long now that now I'm like, all right, I will have a moment to go, okay, it was as good as we anticipated. It was fantastic. Everything was great. We finally all meet each other, have a good time. But there have been some news that's actually come out because of, and this is if you're planning your trip to, 
to um, Halloween Horror Nights and you haven't necessarily gotten all your details worked out yet, there's some news that has come out just through kind of the announcement pages and just little details. Like I saw that uh, you posted that Chance is going to be at the Scaricter Dining. Yes, she's been confirmed for the Scaricter Dining. Um, so that'd be quite interesting to sort of shake it up a bit to have the actual icon at the uh, dining. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. And then also, you may have actually mentioned that last week, but there's also the fact that I think they said now the Academy of Villains show uh, is, is Shadybrook themed. I saw that. Yeah, I saw that too. I'm a bit confused by that, but I'm sure there's, <laughs> there's plenty of uh, source material for them to use, you know, to put together a show like that. Yeah, I mean, I think that'd be fun. It's it's cool to kind of tie in Halloween Horror Nights lore. I like that a lot just because of that sheer fact that uh, it's not just a random show. They threw it together and put something together that was specifically for Halloween Horror Nights, and at least just kind of staying on theme. Now, the question is, is it Chance kind of in a Shady Brookish setup? So, I mean, how many times? It's odd. It's like we have multiple evil sort of clown characters this show. We're going to have multiple insane asylums. It's a little bit playing on uh, some of the traditional motifs, but to have it have, you know, Chance, which I would consider, you know, she's like Harley Quinn, like we said before. She's essentially a clown. Then we have the clown over at American Horror Story. And then we have this, the, uh, you know, her in, uh, in maybe in, in Shady Brook. And then it's just odd. Like, I feel like a lot of similar themes over and over. Don't forget the clown in Krampus as well. And the clown in Krampus. So it will be kind of, it's a very clown vibe. And I, I like that though. It doesn't bother me, but it's just odd. Like usually they're so distinct. The fact that we have three or four kind of sharing some thoughts. Has anything else though come out really? I mean, we're so close now. Again, all of you guys who are listening to this, you've already been to your employee preview night. And I want to thank everyone who tried to hook me up with the employee preview tickets. And I just unfortunately couldn't make it. And it wasn't worth uh, Chris's. You didn't just, you know, I can't hop on Southwest and hop down, Chris. No, I, I can't, unfortunately. I've just come back from Europe. I've got to go to the West Coast. I've got a book coming out. So I've got I've got loads of things to do before I can get to Halloween Horror yeah. Nights. So I'm like, let's just get this stuff done. I want to get there. <laughs> Absolutely. Is anything else, though, really? I mean, is there anything news really to break? Well, I mean, uh, Scott, uh, my Scott on, on the uh, website, HHN Unofficial, he's done a really good post about what to expect with the new VR virtual reality house about how yeah, that's really going to work. You know, so if, if you're a bit sort of, anxious about that house and you kind of want to know what's happening but you don't want to know too much then definitely go ahead and read that article because it does let you in at what happened last year and we do think from what we've heard it's going to be pretty similar just on a bigger scale so how do you how do you feel about it now knowing a little bit more again we won't spoil it here but for those who want to go read and spoil it how do you feel do you feel like it's something that i mean you're going to probably do it just because you have to but I'm, would you have done it otherwise yeah i'm contractually obliged to do it uh <laughs> uh yeah, yeah, I don't think I would have done it. I, I think if if it was yeah. me, just if it was just me doing it and didn't have to report on it, because um, you know, I, like you, I'm I'm more interested in the thematic environments, you know, the actual set design and and and, and that aspect of it. You know, I, I'm not a huge uh, sort of you know IT video game kind of person, and there's lots of people that are, you know, and this this house relies heavily on that, obviously, because it's virtual reality. So I think it will be technically, I think it will be brilliant. I won't understand any of it, but I'm really, yeah, I am looking forward to it. Have they mentioned anything about people who wear glasses? Will we be able to focus? Yeah. I assume they'll be able to focus. I was like, you know, like the ones you have for your phone, like a Google Cardboard, you could focus. So I assume you'll have some sort of, you know, I think you said certain size glasses may not fit. Maybe maybe certain people on the show wear gigantic glasses. So uh, well, it, that could be an issue. Get, get rid of the Austin Powers glasses and we'll talk. No. Um, <laughs> how do you get on with um, like 3D movies when you go and see them in the cinema? Great. I have very little problems. So that's never really been an issue, but it's also not... It's like I put a 3D glasses over my face. It's not necessarily, it, it really depends on 
the setup. You know, if it's this giant, like I have um, a kind of like a Google Cardboard that's made by Viewmaster, and I really can't use it because my glasses don't really fit right on it. So it, it really depends on the setup. I guess we'll know soon, but that's not opening for a couple of weeks now, right? Uh, it's not. No, it. it um, it's, that's so weird to me. Like I don't get that at all. Like, why? I mean, clearly it's done, right? It's got to be done. Oh, it's definitely done. I, I should imagine that th- this, more than any of the other houses, they're sort of fine tuning to make sure that technically it's perfect. Yeah. Well, guys, you know, Howling Horror Nights has begun, and we are so thrilled, and we're so excited that you guys joined us for this entire journey, and. I'm trying to figure out ways to interact with you guys more. And one of the things we've done is I've started a Facebook group. It's not only just for Scare Zone listeners. It's also for listeners to WDW Today or just people that follow me in general. And a lot of the questions you're going to hear in this interview came from that group. And uh, one thing I'd be doing in there, Chris, which you're probably excited, I have a one-off gigantic poster of our Bill and Ted 25, and there's an error on it. Oh, it's no. It's the only one that – no, no. It's the only one that went out. And the only error is – and here's, here's – I'll tell you the quick story is Sharon Yost, who is – uh, she was the Elsa character in the previous years, and she's been tons of things in Bill and Ted. She's now a writer. Now I went and I checked with tons of sources before I put our list of writers. So many. I mean, from pretty much every for voice you've heard on on uh, Scare Zone, every voice you've heard on Scare Zone, I've gone back to and said, are these all the writers? And then I put the thing up and I get a message from Sharon saying, hey, I'm writing this year. And I said, Dang it. You know, oh, of no. course. So at that point, I had already ordered mine. So I already had ordered this giant one. Now we went back and we added Sharon to the print. Thankfully, I was the only one to order it. So I have a one, but I ordered a new one now that's correct. So I have a one off, one of a kind version, and I'm going to be giving it away to somebody who is on our Facebook group because it's awesome. So if you want to find that, I'm going to put it on our Scare Zone website. I'm going to put it in the links. You can join my Facebook group. It's a little bit more, like I said, not just Halloween Horror Night centered, but right now it kind of is just because it is the season. And we don't have a cool name yet. So right now it's like Logan's Group. Uh, we'll come up with a better better name. And uh, we will definitely get you that. And if you want to win that, uh, win that, uh, win, win this awesome giant, it's like a 40-inch print, beautiful art print. I think it's like $6.75 or something on the website. You can go in and trust me, I had to pay for it. You can go in and you can join the group and get engaged with a lot of people who have similar thoughts and feelings. And I love being able to reach out to you guys on a little bit more direct way than just, hey, here's a tweet and a you know, hundred whatever characters. It's pretty fun. But you know, we always bring you guys exclusive interviews. And sometimes listeners reach out, which is really awesome. And that's what happened today. Today we have Nate Mitchell on. Now, Nate is what they call a creative consultant, but you'll hear in this interview, it does get very tech and very heavy. So if you guys are more interested in sort of the fun side of Halloween Horror Nights, this is definitely the behind the scenes of the behind the scenes of what's happening. But Chris, this is sort of your field. Kind of explain a little bit of what Nate does. And guys, he did this. I'll mention what houses in the interview, but you're talking about tons of houses, a lot of your favorites. Yeah, I mean, listening to, to the, the role that Nate plays, he sort of comes in after the uh, a lot of the creative process is done and kind of pulls it all together and, and produces, you know, the, the he said he uses his, he uses hand-drawn drawings quite often right. as well. Yeah, so I, I – and then obviously he then brings it forward for the construction crews to come in. I mean, for someone to work on, say, like the Shadybrook facade that he, that he mentions, um, I mean, technically, when you look at the – artistry in the architecture bring in that sort of neoclassical style almost art deco design and then you know making it gothic and then adding the snow and creating the environment that we knew from last year i mean that is technically excellent so if you like me you're a bit of a tech nerd in terms of the nitty-gritty when it comes to architecture then you're definitely going to love this interview 
Yeah, and Nate reached out to me via Twitter because he was just a listener. And it's so cool that the people listening, I think one of my favorite my favorite tweet I've ever gotten, I have to say, Chris, is from Mike. And he tweeted, I made a joke. Like, I, I sent him a clipped out version of just what Roddy had to say on the last episode about him. Yeah. I told him, I was like, you don't have time to listen to this whole show. And he wanted, I dry, I listened to it on my way to work each episode. And I was like, all right. And I told him, I was like, I'm clipping that, putting that on our website. You know, Mike listens to our show on the way to work each week. Uh, but it's awesome to hear how many people, uh, whether that's people like Sharon, who who posted about the Bill and Ted show, or uh, some of the guys that are in involved are, are man, so many J- people who now work on the show. Well, J- James Michael Roddy listens, he told me. Yeah, Roddy does, and, and look, he's almost become he's become like my best friend. I'm going to say James Michael Roddy's my new best friend. Uh, but <laughs> in general, same with James, and same with everybody who who really everyone's just so supportive. It's awesome. So let's take a listen, guys. Again, this one's a little different because it gets very technical, but it is the start of Halloween Horror Nights 26 this week. Here's someone who worked on it, though he can't say a whole lot about it. Here's someone who worked on the event this year and previous years as well. So take a listen to our interview with Nate Mitchell. You may go, who's Nate Mitchell? Well, Nate is an awesome guy who not only listens to his podcast, has just been a good friend and has been involved with some stuff with pretty much a bunch of years, and I'll let him get into the details of it, but he has done so much for Halloween Horror Nights in the last few years. He is a, I think you said technically you're a creative consultant to art and design, is that right? Yeah, that's right. I'm a creative consultant, I guess, technically, um, but I'm a uh, set designer for the event. All right, and before we go forward with Nate... Nate, you do need to cover your bases. So, Nate, uh, what do you have to say to us before you can say anything? <laughs> I have to say that I am a little legal here. I am I'm not representing Universal, and I can't really speak on their behalf. But, yes, I am an employee there. So, with that said, we can move forward, and uh, hopefully I'll have some interesting stuff for you. So. <laughs> That's awesome. So, your position, what exactly does that entail? For those of us that don't necessarily know the creative department we maybe have gone through the behind the scenes tours or the unmasking the thrills tours we don't know exactly though what your position is where where are your fingerprints within the houses so what i do is typically when i when i come in and i usually start in february or march you know when when we really get cranking into the the design uh, aspect of the event is i'll be handed a a treatment or script and a 3d model of any particular house that uh that we're we're going to do and I'll take that model and break it apart room by room. And basically I design the, what the walls look like, you know, each wall, the sets in each room. So to bring, to bring that, that model, that maze, the layout to life and to fit in with the, the treatment that, that we're given. So that's awesome. And I think let's, let's, you guys, I'm going to divert for a second and say, I put this out there on our Facebook group. Now I have a Facebook group. If you want to be a part of it, you can find the links on our social media accounts. I've been posting about it today as we're recording this. And I said, I want to get a group of people together who really enjoy this show and my other shows as well and ask some questions. So I do have a first question that came in. I do want to take that because this is such a unique uh, gig. This comes in from our friend, Amanda Boston White. She says, what does the design process look like? She'd love to hear the steps from on paper to the final outcome particularly with original sets. So what is that process like for you? Where does it start and where do you kind of step away? Well, for me, like I said, it it begins with the uh, the treatment. And you, you said original houses. Is that what she was asking? Oh, we could, we could or, say both. Let's just say in general. What's your, what's your process? Yeah, so, you know, a scene will have a description of what, the setting, the place, what it is, um, the time period, if that's applicable, and things like that. So I'll take that and... You know, a lot of times I will get do some photo research and get a style and a feel for it, and based on what they're looking for, and take that. And we we 
basically we hand draw everything, which is uh, surprising nowadays because you know of all the the CAD and things people are using right. uh, in design. But we 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 do it old school, um, and there's only you know there's not a ton of people out there that that still. Uh, why do you, why do you do that? Why do you guys stuck with with pen and paper? You know, I really don't know the the answer to that um, specifically, but it's I get you you can really get a lot more. Uh, character and style to the drawing than you can with, say, AutoCAD or any other computer-aided design program. I guess give give a lot more flavor to the drawing sure. and portray what you're trying to achieve to the to the to the builder, to the fabricator, and the decor team. Once once I get once I go through the the entire house, you know, we'll, it could end up several you know several many 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 pages of uh, drawings. <laughs> From you know the, the details into, into the elevations and all that of, the, of each of each scene, so once once I'm done with that, my, my work gets handed off to the to the next stage, and they take it from there. Uh, whether it's you know sending it out for for the bid for the fabricators and everything like that, so that's kind of where it goes from there. So I don't really see it anymore after it leaves my desk. So you draw it, you you take care of it, do does things, and we'll get. I know Chris has a question too from a listener. Does it translate, do you feel like, when you're making these things on paper and then you later on get to go down to Florida and see it being built or see it in the finalized product, does it feel like yours? Does it feel like what you made? Or does it feel like it eventually just becomes some other beast? No, you know, it's it's not all me. It's not all what we do. But you, you can we can all see our, our different um, fingerprints on each each part of it. So, you know, walking into the house, it's really amazing to see something that I've drawn on paper um, and then you know, taking it to the next step with the decor, it really, those guys really, I mean, you know, they really bring the, the houses to life with the decor and the props. Um, that's a, that's just a whole other level of, a whole other layer of, of the, of the theming. And so your gig is more for people. It's more like just the walls, the structure kind of, of what ends up you, you end up walking through. It's not the maze itself, but it's the, the bones of it in some ways. Yeah, in some ways, yeah. So the uh, the structure itself is is already predetermined as far as where the walls are going to be, right? You know, rough dimensions, and then we kind of I kind of take it from there. I'll I'll say you know, let's put a window here or let's put a a, a doorway here, or some something like that. So it's you know, it just depends on what the it really depends from what what the story is, what the theme is, as, as to what. I, exactly what I do. So, <laughs> so are you designing uh, the, the scares per se, or are they already been inputted those, those into the design? Or those are those are usually done very early on. I guess you know, um, as far as that 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 goes back to the the treatment of the story, the actual story of the of the maze, rather than what is that uh, for you? What does that look like? What's the treatment you get? As some of it, do you get a walkthrough of the house? Are we talking about? Uh, are you getting just general idea like, oh, this is the emotion that comes through? Yeah, a little bit of both. It's it's more or less a walkthrough, scene by scene. You know, this is what happens here. This is what happens here, kind of thing. And then okay, cool. um, that, that helps a take- lot when, when we're doing the, the the sets because we know what what we need to pay more attention to as far as the detail, where people are going to be looking, and 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 that sort of thing. And it, in the end, I mean, you never know. Like in the end, they, they may change things based on what works and what doesn't work. Um, you know, and lighting and all the other the other uh, trades that come in there to sure. do their particular thing. All right, Chris, you got a question from, I think we have some more questions from some listeners. 
Uh, yeah, we do. We've got one from uh, Zach and from uh, Aaron. Yeah, they ask very similar questions. <laughs> yeah, very, very similar question from, from these two guys. Um, how is the creative process different from an original maze versus, say, uh, an intellectual property-driven maze? And, and which of the two do you enjoy working on the more? Sure. I would say, you know, f- for what, for my specific job, uh, working on an, an IP is a, is quite a bit different than obviously working on an original because we have certain things we have to to make sure we stick to as far as the, the IP is concerned. You know, naming an example like, you know, Halloween I worked on two years ago. Um, that was kind of fun for me. Halloween's probably my one of my if not my favorite horror movie, one of my favorite movies, horror movies. So that was a that was a really cool uh, property to work with and it was actually the first house I ever worked on for Halloween Horror Nights. So that was kind of neat. Right. Which but, is a fa- very much a fan favorite house. That's pretty cool yeah. that, that your you first know, one is, is sort of a legendary. In fact, we're getting a sequel this year kind of shows uh, the craftsmanship you guys had. Right. So it, you know, watching the movie several times over and over just to get, capture the mood of, of the setting and the style that, you know, back in the late seventies, um, early eighties type, um, architecture and just the, you know, type of things you would see in the movie. So we had to kind of take that and, and turn that into a real set to match the sure. treatment of the, of the maze. How, how does that process play out? Do, do you so say for like for Halloween, for example, is it a case that you have to just keep rewatching the source material over and over again? Or, or do you work from original screenplays or, or original, you know, um, set designs and things like that? No, not, no original screenplays or set designs, at least for me. I mean, um, I don't know how they do it on the, you know, the other end, the creative end when they get started with the maze. But for me, it's more, this is the movie it's based on or the TV show or whatever. And, you know, so we, we you know, we just, I'll just, I'll just watch the, the movie scene by scene, you know, if we're, we're doing a specific thing to see what, uh, what I need to include, what's important, what really stands out from that scene that people can, rec- you know, can relate to when they walk through so that it feels like they are a part of the, of the movie. Sure. Audra and Amanda, and actually this question just seems to come up a lot with a lot of our guests, because a lot of us kind of have that dream of maybe one day, especially a lot of our listeners. We know we have a lot of listeners that are in high school and that are going to the event sometimes for just in the first couple of years they're going. But this came in, they said, how does one acquire such a job? For real though, how does it work? Did you go into your gig knowing you were going to be working on Halloween Horror Nights? Had you been to the park before or was this just a project that you got assigned and they sort of fell in love with? Well, that's funny. I mean, you know, I have a lot of friends in the business as well too, obviously, but and it, it's, there's, there's really no, this is what you have to do path, direct path to this type of work. Um, and you can ask anybody and I'll tell you the same thing, but sure. I mean, for me specifically, you know, I, I've always been a fan growing up as a kid of like Halloween and haunted houses and things like that festivals. So that kind of really instilled in me when I was young to kind of want to pursue something in that, in that realm. But, you know, going to college, I, I'm actually, uh, actually majored in civil engineering, structural engineering. So it's quite off the path from what right. I'm doing in Halloween Horror Nights. But, uh, in that, you know, I've always had the drive to do something creative. So after college, uh, well, actually before I went to college, I started a, my own haunted attraction, uh, where I grew up in South Carolina and, you know, I, I ran that for several years through college and afterwards, um, get, met a lot of people in the business, uh, in the, in the haunt business, you know, around in the Carolinas and around the, around the U S and really decided that, 
this is, you know, I can take what I'm doing here to a, to a professional level. And, uh, in 2006, I kind of, I kind of left that, uh, hunt that I was doing. I, I, I ended that and <clears throat> I started to pursue other options in themed entertainment design. And, um, you know, meeting people along the way in the haunt business got me some more contacts for haunt vendors and things like that. So I was able to start doing some other work for theme park haunts and, you know, independent haunted attractions around the, around the country. So it's just a matter of just keep working, keep getting your name out there. And uh, eventually somebody, you know, somebody will bite and you'll, you'll do a project and you'll, you'll have another project. And so through that, I got a job in 2008 um, with a scenic fabricator down in Florida. So that was probably, you know, that was when I really started um, full time in, into the themed entertainment business. So I've been I've been at it for about eight years uh, professionally. And as far as the Halloween Horror Nights is concerned, uh, how I how I actually ended up there was um, I met a good friend of mine who is actually now full time um, designer, s- senior scenic designer at uh, Universal, and um, uh, his name is Nick. And I met Nick when he was actually living in Charlotte, which is where I'm currently living in Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, back in 2008. And he ended up, um, doing what I was, what I'm doing now several years, uh, several, several years back and knowing him and meeting some other people down there while he was there, it kind of really helped me. And I got a, I went to him like to actually ended up getting me this position there. So, you know, it's, it's, it's all in who you know and being at the right place at the right time. And, and talent and hard work. I mean, that it all, it all, it's all part of the equation to achieving what you want. But definitely, you know, to those out there that want to pursue a job in this, you know, just keep don't don't give up. Just keep keep doing your thing, and you know, good things will happen. Yeah. Well, this year we do want to get to Halloween Horror Nights twenty six. I'm going to take some of these listener questions here at the end. We'll wrap up with uh, some of the questions I got in from you guys, and, and you can see if they pertain to you. But so this year you worked on Ghost Town. I know you can't spoil it for us or tell us a ton about it, but as we know as fans, I think Joseph uh, wrote in on our Facebook group, he put, um, how do you react when you heard that Ghost Town was a sequel house? Did you even know Ghost Town was a sequel when you made this house? I did not. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm I'm not a long-time um, guest of Halloween Horror Nights. The first time I ever went to the show was 2002, Islands of Fear. I think it was in only in Islands that year, uh, which was a great year. Um but since then, I've been, you know, five or six times. Um, so as far as that being a sequel, I believe that was bef- prior to. Yeah. The, so they yeah. were, so you weren't told like in your, uh, like when you're given your script, you weren't said, Hey, by the way, this happened before. Uh, no, I, I, I had no idea of that, um, prior to that. No. So yeah. Yeah. So I, when I, you heard you got ghost town, then what was your uh, process like for you? And, and what can you tell us about you know, your side of this house? Well, I mean, not much as to what I've already told you. I mean, I, you know, doing the, the ghost town as far as a, a theme like the Old West type thing. I mean, I, I really enjoy that type of architecture. So that was a lot of fun. You know, a lot of different types of materials and different cool different things you can do with, you know. Um, it's, it's hard for me to kind of describe it because I don't, you know, without spoiling anything or whatever. So, um well, you know, it's we a have- ghost town. <laughs> we know there's probably yeah, ghosts. Sorry, this is kind of boring because I can't really talk about it much but um i guess you'll see in a few days right everyone will see yeah well by yeah by the time this hearing a lot of us will already know what's going on with with ghost town 
What about, though, let's go back in time then. then. So you can't really talk to us about Ghost Town then. Let's uh, go back in time. What have been some of you, you mentioned Halloween, but what about, you know, Body Collectors comes up a lot. Uh, someone put, they want to throw you a mental high five because it was one of their all favorite all-time sets. What about something like that? Are there any specific stories that stick out or limitations you were given uh, that really shined in the final product for you, that you really enjoyed? For Body Collectors or? For body Collectors or whatever. I mean, if you like Body Collectors, if that's one of your favorites, let's chat about it. Yeah, um, Body Collectors was fun. I think probably my favorite, the favorite house that I've designed or worked on would probably be for an IP, obviously Halloween, or um, or an original, it was Roanoke. Um, I, I really like the historical aspect that they, they brought in with that house with the Lost Colony. The, you know, kind of, this is what, this is what happened, but nobody, history books didn't tell you that this kind of thing. Similar to what, you know, Mike hit on a few weeks ago with the, uh, uh, the Forsaken that they did several years back with the with the pirate ship, um, that was kind of cool where they told a different an alternate story. So, I, I guess for me, Roanoke was probably my favorite house uh, to do. So I got to do a little historical research, you know, into the Lost Colony and that sort of back in the 1500s. And um, so I don't, you know, obviously haven't designed a lot of things with that type of uh, setting. So that was. That was interesting to, to use different uh, types of materials throughout that house, and it was probably probably why it was one of my favorites. You know, because each scene felt different, even though it was in the same village. So that was was kind of neat. I mean, you know, going talking about body collectors, we're all within pretty much this asylum, so it it didn't really vary much throughout the house. But it, it was it was good. There were some there were some cool moments in there as well. I mean, it's it's just a uh, the whole event is just a blast to work on. I mean, I can't really say <laughs> anything bad about anything I've done. Yeah. Is there anything though for you? Is Someone asked this. I think Michelle asked this, but in general, I was curious, do you have like a signature maneuver when it comes to the style that you work in or something you would try to incorporate in your designs that's fairly consistent? Is there a way for us to almost notice your thumbprint or do you take it each one as its own beast? Or is there sort of a signature Nate uh, ism that happens throughout these? Yeah, um, not really. I mean, you know, the only really thing, you know, if you, I have a signature way of, I guess, drawing my style of drawing is very unique, uh, compared to some other folks, um, that do it. But, you know, that's, that's with everyone. Every, everybody has different handwriting. It's kind of the same thing. But, uh, as far as the, the event, like, or the, the design of the, of the maze, not so much. I think like, I, like I mentioned earlier, the, um, the decor team really adds that final layer that really brings it to life. I mean, it would, you know, with us drawing the sets, it would it would look cool, but it wouldn't really it wouldn't really be you wouldn't really be in the in the place, you know, without without that final layer of lighting and audio and especially the props and decor, which is you know my favorite part of it. Yeah. It really- Do you have to work around that at all? I think again, I think it was another question. Are, are there almost? Um- challenges when it comes to that working with you know like hey the triggers are going to be here the actors are going to be here ahead of time so working around that while still being able to make it because so many of those times you walk through it's like oh that looks like that could just be like a dark area for an actor does that is that something that limits you when it comes to your you know creative ability uh, i wouldn't say it limits it you know it helps sometimes it's kind of challenging um when when you when you know where the actors coming from here so you have to work with you know the the show writers and the senior designers on what what the scare is and where they're coming from and how you can build this to to work and to, to make the most effective scare possible um whether that's you know part of a wall or even a 
like Halloween, for example, in the garage, you know, the, the car is as a prop that obviously isn't part of what I do, but we have to take into account what things are going to be where, um, in these different scenes. So a lot of times, yeah, there, there's a lot of back and forth between, between myself and, and the show directors and, and the, uh, senior designers, which actually oversee the whole process of the design. So, and also the, the core team, which comes in nearly at the very end to add all the, all the props and, and decor items like foliage and things like that. So, so Nate, usually, um, I don't know if they still do this. This is my question. Uh, towards the end of the, the construction process, when all of the decor and props are all in position, do they still go through and have their, their blood day where they go around with the old strawberry syrup or whatever it is and just paint it everywhere exactly where they need blood to be? Do they still do that? Well, I've, I've heard rumors. I'm, I'm usually not around. Um, like I said, you know, once my job's done, I'm usually out of there, but, you know, I would like to think they do because it sounds like a blast, especially strawberry <laughs> syrup. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I guess it depends on the house too. Like if it's a bloody house or if it's not a bloody house. So yeah, I've, all, I've always heard rumors. So. Whenever I hear this will be one of our last questions, Nick. Then you got to get back. We've almost doing this a half an hour. But whenever Sorry. I hear someone's worked on Bill and Ted, I do want to. I always ask because Bill and Ted is my heart, and everyone knows that. Mm-hmm. So what did you do on Bill and Ted? Oh, um, so I guess it was my first season working there, 2014. I. Uh, I basically designed the, um, the set, the uh, frat house set for the event. Now, again, that was based on this is what it's going to be. Now you make it look like a frat house kind of thing. So that's kind of what I, that was my limit there. And again, working with the show director and the costume people and all that on where people are coming out, what happens here, there. So that, you know, that's a big part of that too. Uh, I haven't done a lot of stage set design in my career. Um, so that's probably one of few that I've actually worked on as far as a, a stage show kind of thing, but it was fun. I mean, um, I wasn't able to do it the past couple of years just because of my other workload, but it was, it was interesting. It was interesting to work on. So for sure. Well, to just wrap it up, I will say you have been going now for quite a few years. Has this turns you into a Halloween Horror Nights fan going every year. And what do you anticipate or what do you enjoy the most about the event? Take your job out of it just from a fan's point of view. You're going in a couple of days. What are you looking forward to? Oh, man, just everything. The whole atmosphere. You know, I've always been a Halloween Horror Nights fan. Don't get me wrong. Ever since I started going, I just, you know, being not being in Florida, it's hard for me to get down there every year. Uh, but now yeah. you know, working on the event, it's like a must do. So I guess my favorite thing, I mean, just kind of hanging out and watching the watching the people screaming and, you know, taking my work out of it, not, you know, seeing them necessarily enjoy something I worked on, but just the whole atmosphere in general. I'm a big fan of fall, you know, so it's just the, you know, cold, the cooler air, even though it's not that cool in Florida, um, it gets me in that Halloween spirit. So that's just, I guess, I guess to sum it up, what, you know, watching all the other people having a, having a great time and screaming and things like that. So as we go through ghost town this year, we should touch the walls and think about you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Nate. And you can follow him on Twitter and on Instagram. I'm going to put those links. All you do is click your screen right now. It'll pop up. If not, it'll be in our show notes on scarezone.com. But, Chris, we've made it this far. Can you believe it? Hey, the fact that we've even made it 14 episodes is pretty awesome. The fact that we made it 14 episodes, every show has been so much fun and so different. And now we're here and we're prepping for the dark times. But right now, I don't even want to think about it because we are, we are, we are upon – the event is upon us. If I wanted to hop on a plane right now, I could be there tonight. And trust me, I do. But I got responsibilities. <laughs> 
I know we all do, unfortunately, but um, it's it's so exciting that it, it has finally come round, um, and that you know within a few few days, you know, all of us will be there enjoying this thing that we talk about all year long. <laughs> yeah, now I, mean, I can't even wait till like the first announcement. What when was the first? That was like it was like, April, I think, was the first announcement. So like we're talking about only like four or five months of dark times, and those times, guys, we already have some great episodes and one coming up soon. Uh, I won't say who it is yet. Spoil it, but I've kind of said he's the Hatbox Ghost. If you're Halloween, if you're Haunted Mansion familiar, he's kind of like the Hatbox Ghost of, of Halloween Horror Nights icons. Uh, talked about a lot. Someone who maybe he uh, maybe it's been 15 years. So uh, it's going to be a really cool interview. I can't wait to explore that guy's background. That should be coming up in the next episode or two. And while Chris and I are gone. Uh, at the event, we're going to be recording some at the event, but we also have a couple episodes with some of the guys that created Halloween Horror Night, some episodes we've been holding on to for a while that you guys are really going to enjoy. But again, thank you all for joining us on this crazy adventure. This is not the season finale by any means. We're not going away. The show continues on as Halloween Horror Nights becomes part of our everyday life, <laughs> which is awesome. And it's just been some of the most fun we've had doing a podcast. But Chris, there's only one last thing I didn't, we didn't mention, which is the merchandise weirdly is available online. I know. One of the first times I've seen that in a long while, that they've actually yeah. put a lot of the merch online. So uh, if you want to go prepared, already dressed up in your Chance shirts, then uh, you can do so. I almost ordered some things, but man, here, here's my problem. At my, the only shirt, the last shirt I have that's not like Bill and Ted is from, I think from Sweet 16. So it's been 10 years. And that's because that's when I was 20. And at 20, it was about the turning point where I could stop wearing shirts covered in blood. Uh, <laughs> and I just have to say, guys, can we have one? Just give me one shirt that just says Halloween Horror Nights 26 with the faces and the icons. Uh, not the icons, but like, you know, that has right now the, the comedy and drama you know, logo. Give me that. Something kind of dot puff paint blood all over me that I can wear. It's actually kind of like I pride our scare zone shirts on. It's the fact that you can kind of wear them all year, year round. I, I said when I was talking to, except for there's one bloody one. When I talked to Rob, I said, Rob, I want something that like I can wear in February and not feel disturbing or actually could wear it all as a 30-year-old man. Yeah, well, I mean, th this is the thing. I mean, they're, they're, I mean, I know plenty of people that do wear their shirts all year round. Oh, I know. I know. You know, some of us don't have that luxury. <laughs> we don't have a. Some of you guys don't have a wife saying you can't wear that. Well, this is You're the, this years is the old. problem. Yeah, you have children. There's blood all over your shirt. You're dropping your your kids off at the uh, the school in the morning, and you've got a you church know. preschool. Yeah, uh, <laughs> not good, not good, man. Uh, but the shirt design's kind of cool. I'm glad Chance is in the design. There was a little while where it looks like Chance was going to be ostracized from everything, but we saw Chance actually make an appearance in the commercial. Now that that whole hubbub is gone. We saw Chance now on the merch. Kind of, it's not exactly what I want. I do want to get a poster and get it signed by Aaron, though. Oh, yeah, that would be a super cool if we can get, you know, Aaron to sign sign something like that. That would be excellent. We know people. That shouldn't be that prompt. Come on. I'll give it to Scott. Next time they're at, like, Buffalo Wild Wings, I'll be like, just ask her. Come on now, Scott. <laughs> uh, Scott, obviously, is going to be at the event. I'm going to hear from him hopefully next week, and he's going to come on talk a little bit. We're going to go spoiler-free for a little while, guys, because we, we want to give you and give us time to really see what, uh, see what this event is. So for us, we're going together October 2nd. And you know, maybe we'll do a pre-meetup. We've talked about that a little bit. But if you guys are in the area, if you're in the area, let us know. Maybe we'll do something. If not, you can always join our Facebook group that I've, I've launched. You can always go to scarezone.com. You can get your shirts, get your merchandise. The book, Chris, they can have it tomorrow. If they're going to the event tomorrow, they could have it on Amazon tomorrow. They, they could. They could have the book in their hand 
tomorrow and find out about all the previous years and even read the chapter where I try and guess what's coming this year and I can't remember if I was correct or not but oh we gotta do that that's the next episode <laughs> next episode we gotta go check your uh, I think Krampus and some of those were mentioned in there so at least you got some some stuff right? I, do you know what I was posting blogs about Krampus in February I know you were, you were Krampus way early on <laughs> and it's our first episode we talk about Krampus alright guys well again thank you all for listening and we are here happy Halloween Horror Nights to all of you and as I always say, because I'm not sure which clothes we're going to do, keep your eyes closed and your ears open, and we will see you all at Finnegan's. Visit our website, scarefull.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash scarefull. And follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash svpodcast. And remember to rate and review us on iTunes. This has been a production of Laugh Old Round Studios. Copyright 2016.